Welcome to Season 1, Episode 16 of Digital Dissection, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties. Today we're covering over 5,000 years of different media to uncover where humanity discovered the anti-hero. It goes back a lot farther than you might think, so get ready for more context than you ever knew you needed as we get to the bottom of it. Now, before we cozy up to Homer, Shakespeare, and some 19th century French authors, all of which sounds far sexier and educated than it really is and we really are, we are Joe and Mark, two dudes who love talking pop culture with each other and finally decided to start recording it for the enjoyment of other people. After you listen to the show, please like, comment, subscribe, and review. Reviews are very important to the show as we continue to find our audience. We are extremely thankful for your support, but we need your help to keep spreading the word. Speaking of word spreading, and do so safely and responsibly, you can find us on our socials by looking for at Digital Dissect One or Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, in case you just so happen to get here by accident today. We're on almost every major platform you can find podcasts on. So at this point, if you even found us by chance, there's a likelihood that we're going to be wherever you look next. We're sharing more content than ever on Facebook and Twitter. So join us for more pop culture news and upcoming info. Speaking of which, we do have this whole like week on Firefly coming up, which is going to be super cool. Yes. It's going to be huge, as some people would say. <laughs> it, it, it's the most ambitious week we've had for this show. So what we're going to be doing here is sitting down with some friends of the podcast to really crack open into this 2002 underdog that would become a full-on you know, media property that unfortunately still could never really get a full-on launch. But hey, we love it. There's a lot of fans out there that love it. So we've brought some folks to help us do a dissection. Um, and once again, three full episodes coming up next week. So we don't want you to miss it. And yeah, Joe, who are these friends that are joining us, by the way? Oh, so good that you may ask me because one of them, uh, Ricky D of Best, Flicks, of Best Flicks with Ricky D, is joined by Jesse, who together have their own podcast called A Sudden But Inevitable Rewatch. So they'll be joining us for an episode. And after that, we do have our friends Chris and Leslie Lott of Measuring the Score. We're going to help us really break down the music of both the series Firefly and the movie Serenity. And since Serenity is unfortunately where the film filming of this cult classic ends, uh, we're going to have one more friend, Sean from Cheap Seats Reviews, is going to be joining us to talk just about the movie and the legacy that it has left us with. Honestly, we, we can't wait to let y'all listen to some of this. It is a, seriously, it is a packed week coming up. So yeah, we definitely can't wait to show you and we hope that y'all enjoy. Absolutely. So you better get out those dusters and those frilly dresses, sit down or, you know, do whatever it is that you do while listening to the podcast and do that thing and be ready to do a lot of it because we have three full episodes for you to enjoy. Well, this is a, a very special edition of Digital Dissection where we're actually in the same location yeah this is a 
this is the first we we i mean don't get us wrong like we've we've definitely hung out in person since making the podcast we've just never recorded it in yeah. the same room <laughs> we didn't do that weird thing where mm-hmm. you know like we were trying to keep the business as a podcast separate yeah. from the friendship mm-hmm. and, and then acting really weird yeah you know and then we just thought you know sex to save the friendship <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna go down the path of you know now we 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 meet once a month to have a really expensive steak dinner that we can't afford <laughs> on the budget. <laughs> yeah, we do have a budget that our producer keeps us on. She's she's eyeing us up right now, letting us know that you know, time you, is money. You can't see it. We're pointing mm-hmm. to her right now. She's mm-hmm. saying, "Get to the content, please." Yep. No, we we were we are paying you by the hour, literally. So <laughs> we have to get to today. So speaking of today, um, it being a um, a first for us, just to be in the same person, uh, same same area. Uh, we are going with the first for usually when we do talk stuff on the show, like we go with like, like heroic people. Um, We find like we talk a lot of superheroes or uh, people who are like basically thrust into the spotlight um, and are, are made into being something great. Like we, we see in movies like Star Trek and or Ghostbusters, you get the every man who like rises to the occasion. But today we're talking anti-heroes. Yes. These are the people who are doing good, but kind of at an inconvenience to themselves. Yes, the most morally ambiguous people that we'll be covering on this show starts today. Mm -hmm. And I say starts today, but really what I mean is this journey starts a lot longer ago than just today. Okay, so with with that, with a lot longer ago, I mean, I'm going to throw out like my first like exposure to antiheroes and where I think they start. And then you can tell me that I'm wrong afterwards. Oh, sure. <laughs> and you sure. can go where the whole thing starts because my first real like exposure to antiheroes, uh, definitely spaghetti westerns like Clint Eastwood. Mm, yes. You think a fist for the dollars or um, uh, I'm trying to remember the one where like he uh, pale rider mm. where he is basically a vengeful spirit that comes into town and. Yep. You know, sleeps with a woman and then shoots her husband and all these other things going on because it turned out that you know spoiler alert that the people he shot are the people that are involved in killing him in life so it's this revenge like hero story sort of thing but like definitely eastwood has the you know you know um you know i feel lucky punk make my day sort of thing where like you know he's doing good but he doesn't really like following any sort of like outlined law or rule uh, to do said said good thing and that's that was like uh what 19 1960s yeah this is mm-hmm. definitely like the the heyday of my dad's uh like movie going time yeah you know this is mm-hmm. definitely would have been in the 60s um i thought you were going to bring up uh, la buena la mala y la fea which is oh completely memorable yes. i've watched that many times in my youth yes good the bad and the ugly <laughs> yeah another one of those, mm-hmm. those classic eastwood movies but yeah you're right i mean these these are stories about people who, let's just say they're doing the most good out of the people who are doing the least good. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not that you're supposed to necessarily, you know, model these people. Um, but from a narrative standpoint, yeah, you're supposed to support them more oh, than yeah. you do the rest of the cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know what? It's, it's a good point you bring up the time period, though, because I'm going to go back a little bit further. Oh, um, I knew it wasn't gonna be right that's fine yeah roughly 5,500 or sorry 5,152 years ago so hop skip and a jump not a whole lot of time between 1964 and yeah. that number you threw out there just, just a little bit of, okay just a little bit very um, close yeah there, mm-hmm. there was an epic 
called the Mahabharata. Okay. Yeah, this sounds what Indian. Yeah, it's, it's very much Indian. Okay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is a very big part of uh, of religions in India, believe it or not. Um, this epic was viewed in a lot of ways as a history book, uh, very similar to how mm-hmm. you know Christianity views the Bible as a history book, right? Yep. Um, from all the things that we can look at from historical perspectives, mm-hmm. the people of the time that wrote this. Um, used very specific words that dictated that this was actually history and that this was not fiction. Interesting. So mm-hmm. um, so an interesting thing to point out, but the Mahabharata, the story, Joe, I mean, I, I'm surprised and more people don't think of this when they think of like Romeo and Juliet. Oh, it's because, akin to that. Yes, we have okay. two families that are fighting each other. Okay. Uh, yes. These are very strong names that everyone should know. Okay. Okay. These are very popular family mm-hmm. names. So the Pandavas. Mm-hmm. And the Kavravas. Yeah, it's like the Smiths and the Tams. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they, they fought the Kurukshatra. Yep. Uh, this war was for the throne of Hastinapula. So, I mean, Hastinapula, like, I think we all know where we were that day. Oh, seriously. When that went down. Yeah. I, I, which, mm-hmm. When I was a kid, like, I, I was surprised that we were all talking about this all mm-hmm. the time. All the time. Yeah. We weren't talking about, like, cow goes moo no or cat goes meow Mm-mm. we're talking about or, the mahabrata or rooster goes kikariki no one <laughs> <laughs> yes well I'll tell you what first example of an anti-hero shows up in the mahabrata epic okay? okay um so the character would be named karna who was technically a demigod right um, okay which demigod like to my knowledge um, this is just someone that Zeus banged and just he banged his mom and then just threw him out there in the earth to like take care of everything. Yes, that's that, that's yeah. that's how it worked in the Greeks. So that's that's basically the same idea, right? Okay, this, go Zeus. This this Indian god was clapping mm-hmm. cheeks, decided I don't want to be around for the Mori Povich part of this. I mean, who does? Yeah, you don't want that publicity. Yeah, dude, he mm-hmm. kicked off little Karna into a basket down a river, just like what we've heard about in in some of the Egyptian stories in Christianity, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Same idea. Um so Karna basically becomes this like skilled warrior. Um, and he would later actually discover who his birth mother was. Okay. And, and, you know, he kind of goes through his own little, you know, uh, personal story throughout this. Mm-hmm. The only real part of this that crosses with why we would consider him a, a you know, a flawed character, right. Mm-hmm. As, as Shakespeare would call a flawed good man. Right. Yeah. That's what Demi or uh, that's what the, the, the anti-hero would basically become. Well, he finds out later that um, this this war that he's fighting uh, after he meets his mother, birth mother, he's actually fighting against his own family in this war. Ooh. And so that's what the that's what this whole like anti-hero mm-hmm. part of this comes up. It's like, yeah, this dude is literally killing his own family in the name of war. So do you think that is more or less awkward than the Oedipus thing? Honestly, I think this is about as awkward as a civil war can get. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at like our, the United States Civil War, you got people who are living 200 yards from each other, mm-hmm. you know, like doing scorched earth. You yeah. know, it's the same kind of idea. Just think, well, you know, like 5,152 yeah. years ago. Like that poor bastard who uh, had what uh, his, his house was used like in two different battles and then was eventually used again at the, uh, the surrender of, at Appomattox. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. War started in his house, ended there. Yeah, I hope he's not paying property taxes on that yet. Oh, no, I'm sure he's still seeking damages from the government. We know how long government work <laughs> takes to process. That's an army, Brad. I can absolutely agree with that. Yeah. So, but this is the earliest, like, literary work that we can pin this on, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, now, speaking of the Greeks, though, 
definitely mentioned a good little segue there. Roughly 2,800 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we're not getting specifically down to the year. No, okay, about 28. Closer to Eastwood. Well, mm-hmm. it, yes, yes, incrementally close. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Greeks for baby all, steps. For all the things the Greeks wrote about, mm-hmm. I am very surprised they didn't get specific on this date. Okay. But the Trojan War, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, the Trojan War, I just think of like an orgy in the 70s. You don't know who you're touching. You mm-hmm. don't know. Like you don't know names, right? Nope. So I'm surprised we even get a date out of this. I mean, that's how you ended up in the horse in the first place. You had no idea where you were anyway. <laughs> you just walked into the <laughs> darkness and oh. all of a sudden I wound up jumping out of a big old, you know, Trojan horse. Yeah, I had a sword in my hand, a shield in the other, and I figured why not? <laughs> it was something to do. Was something to do. <laughs> Everyone was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey Pericles, what are you doing tonight? I think in that horse. I'm look at that you thing. See that thing? Like, like where did that even come from? That's a four-story horse. I gotta yeah, be in there. It's on wheels. Have you ever seen a horse on wheels? No one's seen a horse on wheels. We got to get in there. Immediately, my plans suck compared to this. <laughs> well, the Greeks would prop up a dude named Thersites, which uh, just sounds thirsty. Yeah, as you say, uh, Thersites, it sounds like he was a, uh, he uh, he threw a few back in his day. Yeah, mm-hmm. he sounds like he's just looking for compliments. <laughs> uh, but, but Thersites would be a Trojan War soldier, okay? Now, this is where the idea of the anti-hero would actually shift a little bit, because... This is going to be a common theme throughout time, okay? Um, anti-heroes would be used in different ways in literary works mm-hmm. to either point out a lesson, usually not as like the, the moral compass, right? Yeah. Well, what the Greeks ended up doing with Thersites is just throwing a ton of shade this guy's way. So okay. he was a bow-legged warrior, Ooh. which as you know... Tough start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Spartans would not be employing this guy to do no. anything. Um and he was known to have a lack of might, and it was pretty much what I've written down as a literary whipping post. <laughs> um, and and even though the Greeks wrote about this guy, Shakespeare with his mm-hmm. little puffy ass, you know, collar, he would even mm-hmm. talk shit on this guy. Oh, you know you've messed up if you've got Shakespeare like yes. making fun of you. Yeah, dude, Shakespeare is making fun of you. You you fucked up. You've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. So poor old bow-legged Thersites would, you know, fight in the Trojan Wars. Um, he would actually pop up in a couple other uh, works, though. Um, Homer actually wrote about him in the Iliad, I believe. Okay. Um, he wasn't like, he wasn't a main character. He wasn't prominent, but, but he was there. No, but he's, he's mentioned. Okay. He's in there. Um, and so I thought it was an interesting pit stop because, I mean, we're talking like antiheroes didn't get a whole lot of mention again. This mm-hmm. is almost, you know, 2,300 years later after the Mahabharata, it was a hard sell that's all like hey we've got this guy over here he's doing the right thing but you know he's popping his collar he's got his sleeves ripped off and they're like no 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 no. his sleeves have to be on are you sure this is a look for him <laughs> like no, no no put the sleeves on okay and then they put the sleeves back on and then the morals just come with the sleeves that's all i'm guessing because you know back in india we didn't have like the new york times bestseller to direct us for where to go no and there's no oprah book club no none of that was there absolutely not there's still no like indian version of oprah is there uh i have to imagine i mean bollywood is so expansive they put out so much stuff there's got to be an indian oprah well we're pointing to our producer right now for Mm -hmm. her to look that up even though she once again does not exist no and i'm she is giving us the finger for bringing this up (laughs) so we're gonna go ahead and move on clearly she doesn't Mm -hmm. know she does not Mm -hmm. know um we'll tell you what the the next time we'd see the anti-hero this would be specifically in the term. The term would actually show up in 1714. Um, so this would actually show up in what was kind of an interesting work. It's a, mm-hmm. It was a French imaginary philosophical conversation had between an author and himself. 
It would be well, <laughs> if that doesn't just sound like, you know, you're made out of spare parts, I don't know what does, Mark. <laughs> Do you know, when we created mirrors, they were meant for looking in, and some people looked in them longer than others, okay? <laughs> so this, this literary work would be called Rameau's Nephew, and I know literally nothing about it other than that, mostly because I couldn't wrap my head around actually wanting to read this thing. Mm -hmm. But it specifically mentions the term anti dash hero okay so now we're actually getting literary works that are using the term that we would you know obviously pick as the center of our mm -hmm. conversation today but we're gonna forward again another couple hundred years because this journey right, we can't stick with the bourgeoisie for that no, long we no. don't mm -mm. we don't there's there's so much syphilis during that time oh everywhere yeah you don't want syphilis to, everywhere you don't want to get a contact high no. from that kind of mm -mm. just in case it's hidden in the margin somewhere <laughs> no you don't want to burned for her <laughs> yes <laughs> well all right we're getting into the 1800s okay now the 1800s would be known for creating a term that's called the gothic double which would refer to literary characters again mm -hmm. um, the gothic double would however serve as a successor of this anti-hero term that we heard about in Rameau's nephew really what it refers to though is the duality of good and evil Ooh. As though they were two halves of the same coin. Yeah, two, sort of thing. Two wolves living within you. Ooh, get that checked out. <laughs> yes. You should not have two wolves living within you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I thought that was interesting to call it the Gothic double because mm -hmm. why the fuck aren't we using that term anymore? Yeah, it's a pretty sexy term right there, the Gothic yeah. double. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like no, it makes it sound like you're talking about. Like you might as well just slap a PhD on me if I say, yeah. The gothic double that is the character of Venom and Eddie Brock. Oh. <laughs> well, just imagine if you were at like some conference and this this German dude all of a sudden busts mm -hmm. out the gothic double. You'd be like leaning in. I want to hear this guy more about to this say. guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if there was a college party between me saying gothic double and some douchebag in his guitar, I would win every time. Oh, I pray to Christ. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, part of this duality of good and evil was starting to like build the, the the foundations of what you and I would see throughout our lives mm -hmm. in that anti-heroes emerge to offset the perception of a traditional hero's center of gravity. So we end up shifting from these, these epic stories and these purely academic stories, right? Mm -hmm. To the point where anti-heroes now represent more irony in the balance between those things. Okay. So the way that I like to explain this is with the the 1846 novel the count of monte cristo oh yes the count of monte cristo yeah go or, find your own tree yes go find your own tree <laughs> yeah or some would call it the count of monte cristo by alexander dumbass um it's actually alexandra dumas <laughs> yes yes and and so this story would kind of shift into that that irony discussion right mm -hmm. so this is a and once again for folks that haven't read this book it's been almost 160 years okay spoiler alert read the damn book <laughs> we're, we're gonna give a little bit of a spoiler alert mm -hmm. here okay so long story short this this you know this happy little french sailor mm -hmm. edmund dantes you know he he's just trying to do the best for his life you know mm -hmm. he's got a little he's got a wife He's got a spoiler alert. He's got a kid on the way. Okay. Doesn't quite know about. Doesn't know about it. Fine. Surprise. Surprise. Yeah. yeah. Plot twist. Mm -hmm. It was like to say. And his best friend would backstab the shit out of him. <sighs> right? Just like Caesar. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like A2 Brute. And 
so it basically long story short this dude goes to prison for a while okay you know yeah. he, he gets cut he gets his tats mm-hmm. joins a few gangs along the way lifts weights in the yard i get it yeah yep mm-hmm. yeah this gang would be, would be led by a by a french priest who was also wrongfully imprisoned okay but the dude gets out of prison he's educated now because the priest knew a thing or two okay right? knew how mm-hmm. to read knew yeah a, you know to throw, he read he could throw bows he could write he could make <laughs> some crackers i'm sure you know what? They don't go into that in the book, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Oh yeah, it has to be in the, the appendices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably in there. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, this dude gets out of prison, and with this knowledge that this priest gives him, mm-hmm. uh, he finds this treasure mm-hmm. of Monte Cristo. Okay, or Cristo rather, mm-hmm. and he uses it to get revenge on the people that put him in prison. Now you may be asking, okay, well, what's the irony of this story? Mm-hmm. Well, the irony of the story is a pretty important theme that unfortunately the movie wouldn't actually adapt. So okay. there's a 2001 film. Mm-hmm. Well, the irony is that you can't live in the world that you were from when you get revenge. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you're no longer the person that you were when you entered that world because of the things you did, you know, to get your revenge. So what does he do at the end of the story? Mm-hmm. He hops on a boat and he gets the hell out of there, gets his revenge. He screws over everybody that messed him up. And they just say, yeah, you guys have fun. I'm take off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you uh, you enjoy what I've created here. Sandbox, if you will. I'm going to go. Yeah. You're bankrupt. Mm-hmm. You know, you went insane. Mm-hmm. And I'm out. Yep. We'll see I'm not, not going to deal with that. Yeah. Not my problem anymore. Nah. Nah, you, nope. get, you guys are cabbage. I'm out of here. <laughs> so off Edgar Dantes goes. But there's a little bit of a lesson in this story of, you know, of getting back at the people that screwed you over. Okay. Um, now, one of the earliest American literary examples of the anti-hero would actually be Huckleberry Finn. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor Thomas? No, no, no we're talking the 1884 novel of Huckleberry Finn. Okay. You know, this guy's a little mm-hmm. scamp. A little bit. Yeah. Precocious, if you will. Yeah. He's very impressionable, you know. Mm-hmm. Like a kind of a taut preteen Swedish boy. Not at all. That's <laughs> no, he does not have that body. That is Mm-mm. that is totally your own province. <laughs> I will not, I will not get into that one. But yes, this would be the first American attributed anti-hero. Yeah, story. Okay. I yeah, I just figured this was like, I don't know, bored youth in America. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it may not be so much just the subject matter. It could just be the ambiguity of the guy's decisions, right? Yeah. Like you, you know that. That Huckleberry Finn ain't a bad dude. No, I mean, odd that he chooses certain nicknames for his friends that he does. Which, yeah, I, uh, yeah, we don't want to edit that stuff no, out. No, no, no. I mean, you could say he's a victim of the times, but really. Do better. Do better. Do better. <laughs> Come on. Do better, Huckleberry mm-hmm. Finn. But yeah, that's, that's really where, uh, once again, we've got a little bit of a different idea behind what constitutes an antihero in literary works, mm-hmm. right? You know, we're not just talking about like, you know, shades of gray, black and white types mm-hmm. of things. Like we're talking about people who, you know, are just just playful. Yeah. You know, they're just mm-hmm. having fun out there. They're like Brett Favre, right? <laughs> just except, a bit of a gunslinger. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, except not not sending dick pics to, uh, you know, New Jersey reporters. No, you don't do that. And yeah. or, or your masseuse. No, no. They're just yeah. they're. I mean, they're touching you. I mean, only because they're getting paid. Yeah. And not in like a sexy way no. or a legal way. 
No. Like they're doing that because it's their their living. Like, I don't, don't. I don't care if don't it moved. The if it moved a little, it moved a little. That's not on the masseuse. No, that is on you. That's on you. You yeah. you get your shit figured out. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Which once again, that's not that's not quite what Huckleberry Finn's doing. Mm-mm. No. Um, but you know this this would actually lead us into though the the 1900s mm-hmm. or the 20th century. So the early 1900s antiheroes became more like character studies uh, and angst mm-hmm. or like. You know, let's just think of like isolated from society, mm-hmm. right? We've got these characters who are, they're loners. Yep. Um, they don't fit in with, mm-hmm. with the rest of society as a whole. Yeah, my so-called life. Are you referring to your own or the property? My oh, the property. Life? My so- I mean, it's okay. just, it's all angst. Okay. <laughs> Pure angst. The whole thing. I was going to say, I remember when I first met you, Joe, you did have the mohawk did you know you had the eyeliner on the top and bottom i rocked both yeah mm-hmm. you don't you don't half-ass two things you no. whole ass the one thing no you, you were smoking american spirits yep and I, I believed you were only drinking uh you know just Pabst blue ribbon <laughs> <laughs> as you can see we're painting a picture here <laughs> uh, but yeah that's that's where the the 1950s would kind of take us though right like mm-hmm. um if you remember like the catcher in the rye yeah, yeah. Think of Holden Caulfield. Or yeah, this like, guy said kill Lennon, right? Or I like to call him Holden uh, Cauliflower. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, th- but this guy would definitely fit the idea of angsty, loner, mm-hmm. you know, meant to be tucked in the back somewhere. The James Dean of his time. Except not attractive and wouldn't be remembered in the same way hundreds of years later. No, he would not. He would not. <laughs> not... I mean, and, and James Dean really, he's go around like what, cutting off, um, what were those? The parking meters, right? Oh, yeah. Was that Dean? It probably was. Which really, I think that does make him the hero they deserved and needed at the time because parking, that's the, that, you know, that's the enemy of everyone. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Not yeah. a good place to park and it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah, in a big city. Yeah, big city. You know, sorry, James Dean, not anti-hero, just a hero. <laughs> Take that back. <laughs> just, a hero. just a hero. Just a hero, James Dean. Well, th- this would represent a lot of what we would end up seeing, you know, from let's just say the 1920s onward, okay? Um, now, we've we talked about Shakespeare a little bit. He wasn't a stranger to mm-hmm. the anti-hero either. Um, he would, you know, like Othello, Hamlet, you know, Lady Macbeth. These were all yeah. people that Lady were... Pac-Man, Mrs. Pac-Man. <laughs> we know he was there. That's Billy Shakespeare, dude. It's he. He had it. He had it. Granted, it was really fucking hard to read and um, little little wordy. Very Shakespeare, wordy. little wordy. He danced around the subject a lot yeah, before that... he he didn't go right in. Dude, that guy did not know how to walk off a stage. No, no, yeah. he he didn't want to keep him coming back for more by leave the audience hanging. He just he delivered everything <laughs> and then some. Well, after his his prolific time, mm-hmm. um, we would end up seeing more of these Caulfield style characters. Okay, so we're talking about people like Jay Gatsby. Okay, you know of the Great Gatsby. Oh uh, yeah, you know good old. I have Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The uh, the man who once had to tell Ernest Hemingway to stop writing about him. <laughs> <laughs> the dude that said old sport one too many times. Yes. Um, but yeah, after Jay Gatsby, though we. We get. I mean, even James Bond is considered an antihero. Really, Bond? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Think about it, dude. Okay, is James mm-hmm. Bond really fighting for the good of all? No, just Britain. He's just fighting for yeah. He's just fighting for yeah, the just, queen. Yeah, just queen country. So that's I mean, all. If you're in the UK, 
All right, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's, everyone else. This is just like Team America. You know, Team America is not fighting for the world. No, no, they're just world police. It's world police. It's mm-hmm. the same idea, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, so after James Bond, um, we'd be actually looking at people like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and really anti-hero, or do we skip behind him when we shouldn't? Like, I feel like that's bad influence. That that's like when. Uh, okay, no good way to put this. When a woman falls in love with a convict, mm. just goes, "Ooh, the allure, the danger. This is a bad man. My father wouldn't like this man." That's him. That's all. I thought that's all I thought it was. I didn't think he was anti-hero. I thought he was just, you know, sexy, crazy inmate guy. I mean, I I know that Anthony Hopkins isn't. He's not the same tall drink to everyone. No, no. Mm-mm. But I mean, have you seen him rock out to metal? Oh, I, I oh asked. yeah, I did. And it's not terrifying. A, it is not a tall drink there at all. That's yeah. definitely a that's a shot of something that burns a yeah. whole lot. Yeah, big burn. Oops. Like this is like if there's rail like shot like this is beneath the rail. Like that's that's where that is. That is Anthony Hopkins. Like I respect you, man, but I have no idea what the hell you were doing there. Oh, it's like that's like buying a, an egg salad sandwich from a gas station. Oh, yeah. that's a gamble. You know you're gonna lose every time. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 that rock thing is terrifying. That you just oh, mentioned. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Hannibal Lecter though would also get paired in with uh, Jack Torrance of The Shining. Okay. Same type of idea. You have mm-hmm. a character who represents less of the original uh, anti-heroes, right? Mm-hmm. And you have more of this, This once again, it's the center of gravity that they're defying in what would be a typically good character. Yeah. Because right? Jack Torrance doesn't start off as a bad guy. No, no, no. Um, he is definitely not at the all work and no play point at the start mm-hmm. of the story. He builds to that. Yes. He gets there eventually. And that's when the movie gets interesting. I don't know, take it back. The Shining is fun the whole way through. It is a good, it's a good ride. Well, speaking of good rides, mm-hmm. one of the next notable anti-heroes would be Geralt of Rivia. Ah, yes. Yeah. The very, very witcher we tossed a coin to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you know how we've talked about our birth year being like a very important year? 86, I mean. 1986, man. Yeah. Geralt of freaking Rivia. First appears in the Witcher novels. Uh, good things were happening in 86 yeah. man great thing i mean it's oh the mojo was flowing in yes, 1986 it was mm-hmm. there weren't just mighty births there were fantastic literary works with anti-heroes oh, yes mm-hmm. yeah and and to, and not to get too far into the witcher because you know we could spend easily a few hours on, on mm-hmm. Geralt of rivia and but... perhaps one day we will spend a few hours on it in which case you'll reduce to roughly one hour of it yes mm-hmm. we'll try to keep it down try to keep you it know? down we've, we've gotten kind of free and loose with with the time on this, you mm-hmm. know, the, 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 uh, the total amount of minutes of this conversation typically, but, but either way, Geralt Rivia is a very good example of what modern, you know, anti-heroes would become. Mm-hmm. And, and these are people who are kind of rough around the edges and they could do things that are heroic, mm-hmm. but they are tremendously like, like just, you could say misguided in certain ways. Yeah. They're not connected to society. And some of the decisions they make, you wouldn't want to make. No, Mm-mm. no. You look at it and think, "Oof, glad that didn't come down to me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would not want to make that decision. Wouldn't want to be that guy. No, no, no absolutely no. not. Mm-mm. But I mean, he he is that. I mean, when I think of antiheroes, I do tend to think of Geralt of Rivia, mm-hmm. um, just because he's he's not very well liked. No, and uh, 
the people that do like him understand the nuances, the layers of the mm-hmm. Witcher. Like an onion, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Several layers. Which I think I see in myself, Joe. You know, <laughs> I consider myself a human onion. <laughs> the more layers you peel back, the more it stinks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've imagined that's not your business card. <laughs> no. If I had one, it might be. It might be. Like might on be. the back. Yeah. If I it's fine print. If I had a if I had a business card, it'd probably, you know, have like a a tracing of a hammerhead shark on it or something huh. you know yeah i mean i figured be like what you usually tell me like what you put on your grave like your, your gravestone like, oh i could eat yeah yeah, yeah. i could eat yeah. yeah i could eat park yeah. Bank, yeah, i could eat yeah that's what i'll be known for <laughs> yeah well tell you what we're we're getting into finally mm-hmm. the times where you and i actually existed to, be yeah. able to talk about mm-hmm. these, these anti-heroes and what would be a better way than to talk about fight club oh yes but, we, but you shouldn't you should, we, we'll, we should not do it. Technically, we're not even talking. Not about even it talking right about it right now. No. Yeah, we're just talking about a nondescript book. Mm-hmm. But Tyler Durden, absolutely. Oh, completely. Kind of leading in that modern age of mm-hmm. of uh, you know of antiheroes because this guy is literally leading like worldwide espionage. Yeah. Like under know. under the guise of like just hey, we're just dudes hanging out and having a good time. Yeah. Who are uh, bringing down the system? Just beating the hell out of each other, <laughs> you know. In in Lou's warehouse basement here. Yeah. Oh, Lou. Oh, Lou. Yeah, beating the shit out of uh, you know pretty boys. Mm-hmm. I still can't believe he sent Jared Leto to the hospital looking that way. Remember, that's 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 who the blonde dude was. Yeah. Just wrecks the shit out of. Him. Yep. Poor guy. His so-called life, man. Yeah, that's just just awful. <laughs> it always comes back around. <laughs> All right. <laughs> At least this episode it comes back around. Well, it might. It might come it could. again. I mean, we'll just see how they're. Yeah, we just wait till, wait till we get to uh, the Princess Mononoke episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a Studio Ghibli. We'll get there. Yeah, there's just plenty mm-hmm. of time. The podcast is young, is what we're saying. Uh, but yeah, so we could Jared Letter there. Um, yeah, Fight Club was fun. Like, I remember like reading Fight Club actually in a films class that I took in college um obviously like the movie had come out before then but i was not i knew of it but didn't see it uh sort of thing and that way mm -hmm, yep knew of it didn't see it then uh read the book quick read by the way so if you and it's one where like i feel like the movie and the book don't stray very far apart from each other Hmm. i mean yeah there always be some things that are different but like the book isn't terribly long so like the movie adaptation is not all that different does the book splice like short sequences of pornography into it i think it talks about that um okay but definitely if you are flipping the pages and you flip them really fast you see it <laughs> you'll see it it's right there you'll see a 14 inch dong just right in the middle <laughs> <of> the page <laughs> yep you just have to watch the cigarette <laughs> mm. yeah this is a good drink by the way or is this like a, like a bold lemonade, not a seltzer person. This isn't bad at all. Yeah, that's 5% mm-hmm. alcohol volume. Oh, yeah. That's like five times out of actual lemonade. Yeah. What? Right. Oh, we're, we're live? We're live? I don't believe you. Mm. Mm-mm. This producer's lying. Yeah, I think she's full of it. I don't know why she keeps mm-hmm. looking at us no. that way. Mm-mm. Oh, the, the button is on. Oh, shit. The red light's there. Yep. Well, well Joe, let's put, our, let's put our, our caps back on and start talking about... Mm why people would actually need to worry about 
this episode. We're talking about anti-heroes. Mm-hmm. So far, we've only been buried in books. Yeah. A little bit of movies. Yeah. And Prince dead last I heard. <sighs> yeah. Dude, I only, done. I only collect spores, mold, and fungus. <sighs> Hell of a nightlife right there. Gets me by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It Love really it. buries my crippling depression. <laughs> but tell you what, man. Well, yeah. That's at least get to books with pictures. Yes. 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 Let's, Comics, get, let's get yeah. to the easy books yeah. to read. Because that's where, like, definitely, like, I like we grew up enjoying uh, the anti-hero is through um, comics and film. Yeah. So when you look at, like, I think what was credited as the first modern anti-hero in comics is the Punisher. Yes. Yeah. Frank Castle himself. Mm-hmm. So... If you can't, you can't see these things, folks. But we do have animals that come through the set every now and again. And what's fantastic is that, like, there is Mark's friend, there's Mark's cat, and then my dog is crated right now. And I think Mark's cat just scared my dog, which I think they equally scared each other. Yeah, there's just just. Okay, so the Punisher. <laughs> we'll see if we keep that in. But yes, Frank Castle himself. He was a Marine, wasn't he? Uh he was military, so. He always Marine knows how to, sounds right. He, he knows how to use every weapon. He does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But the story of a guy whose who's family is mm-hmm. like, it's usually always brutally. Brutally murdered. murdered. Like not, it's not like a, uh, oh no, they died right in front of my eyes. It's like they were slaughtered. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. Like not, there was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is like when termites, you know, eat into your deck and you you bust open that piece of wood. It's mm-hmm. just dust. Yeah, just dust. There's nothing left. Yeah. Just Frank Castle's family. You can't you can't no, tape that back together. You know, there's no surgery's not helping that. So of course our man Frank just goes on a rampage, puts a skull in his chest, and you know, doesn't look back. I gotta say though, that that shirt I've always wanted. Oh yeah. But just based on how I have this weird, oddly shaped, shitty body, mm-hmm. I can never get that shirt to work. No, and I, I'm in the realm where I just I can't do skulls just mm. because like I feel like you need to really be a badass to wear a skull. And if you know me, that's not I don't put that in my resume. Like you don't see Joe Venable badass anywhere. Mm. It's just Joe Venable student taught in China. Uh, mild, and, yeah. mild, mm-hmm. tempered yeah. ass. Mild tempered, mild yeah. like could could be disagreeable <laughs> could be disagreeable so i could just never do pull off the skull work but that oh god it looks cool yeah it, it looks, just really does once again just like the impala from supernatural you can mm-hmm. you could hump that, that oh yeah t-shirt. easily and well his first appearance is in a spider-man book yeah. he's, he's he's hunting spider-man like whoa yeah. whoa he's a bad guy but wait not really well, well, I mean, he he is a mm-hmm. he is a bad guy in the sense that he kills. He does with reckless abandon a little bit, and and he's very very much animalistic in the way that he does this. Truth fact. So, I mean, he he is not the type of antihero that we would get later. Which Mm-mm. we'll we'll obviously we're, this this journey continues, folks. We're not going to skip straight to the to the end, but no. But I mean, he for for me, he was one of the first comics that mm-hmm. I saw where my parents were looking at it, going. Should he be reading that? This is first like, yeah, we just thought this was like these like dudes in spandex. What's he doing? Yeah, this yeah. guy's putting holes into people, large Ooh, holes, very big holes. Yeah, I mean, that's... like he used a grenade launcher and he was right by the guy's face. Like that yeah. one, that's just dangerous for him too. I mean, my kid just needs to know smart combat rules. Yeah, you don't do that. Like the grenade is like that's a distance weapon. Yeah, you... no, you don't. That's not a point blank thing. That's why you throw them. You throw them. Yeah, that's why you don't just like lightly toss it three feet in front no, of you no Mm-mm. yeah but i mean but the punisher though like you know when i think about uh 
specifically just the brutality of him. Um, it, it's not like he does this to the point where he's not reflective of it, mm-hmm. right? That's where I, when we've talked about once again, this, this gravity of the actions of these characters. Um, the Punisher is one of those characters who does occasionally show remorse for doing these things. Yeah. That's what brings him, you know, back to the center a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the anguish of losing his family and then having to process the thoughts of what he's just done. Yep. And and he does occasionally have those those moments of clarity. And there are like interesting enough, also moments where like he feels the need to be the conscience of other people, which is weird. Like yeah. uh, I think it was um uh, probably I don't know five years ago now, something like that, where I think there's an issue where there's like, I think a group of police officers like going around, like putting the skulls on their chest or something. And like, they're basically taking the law into their own hands in a sense. They're wearing hockey pads. <laughs> they are wearing hockey pads. <laughs> so I think that like Frank Cast like actually confronts them. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, don't be me. Like, don't do that. You're supposed to uphold the law. I work around it. Like yeah. we are very different things and we need people who will actually be someone to look up to. You cannot do what I do. And then I think he shoots them. Oh, I thought he was just going to like Dikembe McTumble them and just go, no, 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 Wag the finger at him. Yeah. Run away laughing and he slaps their gun down. Yeah. No, no, he, I think he may have killed them after, after the pep talk, which really, why'd you give him the pep talk at that point, Frank? Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Like, were you going to make them like change their minds? Like, oh yeah, they'll have an epiphany. Yeah, you're right, Mr. Punisher, dude. I will change my ways. Just kidding. No, you won't. Pow, pow. Yeah. And then the Punisher walks off. What an idiot. God. <laughs> Good. Good for me. Mm-hmm. More people for me to Yeah, kill. save the day. <laughs> That's a story I actually did not know about the Punisher, which is very odd. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. That yeah. Is, yeah. It's a, it's a, I mean, and more recently, I, I, I rarely read the Punisher. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, same here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I once again, I, I, maybe I blocked off a memory in my head, or my parents like ripped the book from me and were like, <laughs> "No, not allowed." Yeah, I rolled up the newspaper mm-hmm. and slapped me with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but uh, actually, you know what? That is interesting though, because mm-hmm. more of my my early comic book memories would revolve around Wolverine. Yeah, you know, like like we we shifted from antihero to antihero, mm-hmm. varying levels of pro- uh, of popularity. Mm-hmm. And and Wolverine would encapsulate once again an, another antihero who has these issues with brutality. He does, yeah. He um, very much is not like because you look like, at the X Men dynamic and you've got Scott Summers, Cyclops, who is the Boy Scout traditional hero leading the group, and then there's you know the brooding Wolverine in the corner trying to do things his own way all the time. Always trying you to know. get with Cyclops. Trying to the main squeeze with Gene, Dynamite Gal. Yeah, yeah, man, calling everyone Bub. Like he's like, we're friends, but I'm not gonna call you by name. We're just my bub. And like, oh, this guy, he's never calling me his buddy. He's bub. He's throwing weird things in there. He called the villain egg sucking gutter trash earlier. <laughs> like this guy. Dude it up, egg sucking gutter trash. This guy fucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is actually hilarious to pin that on Wolverine. Because honestly, here's what's funny about mm-hmm. that. Like anti-heroes, we've we've covered, right? We've been talking about this for a good 40 minutes now. Boom. But what's interesting about Wolverine, like you just mentioned, he calls people bub. And that is actually like a trademark when you talk to like body language experts mm-hmm. and, and people who are trying to earn favor with others. You usually give nicknames to people in a way to build 
a relationship, a relationship yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so I always found the character of Logan slash Wolverine interesting because he does fit the profile of being a loner, which I, I mean, he was experimented on. I mean, his, yeah. his skeleton's mm -hmm. literally replaced with the metallic yep. one. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even know what they did to his, his lower half. No. I imagine that's adamantium too, though. Wow. Like, that's just like a gold member scenario. Yeah. It's just always there. His winky's a key. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You got to think about that for a second. Yeah. That's the first time I've asked that question out loud. But at the same time, that's cartilage down there. It, it mostly, that wouldn't get replaced. It most, but you know. And like, they plated the they, they plated the bones with it. They didn't like, you know, turn the bones into Edmanadium. They just stuck true. plates on it. It's true. Maybe yeah. I'm just a, a superimposing what I would hope happens to me <laughs> one day. <laughs> but but the, the majority of the mm -hmm. anti-hero anguish that comes from Wolverine. Once again, this has more to do with the traumas and the things that mm -hmm. he, well, I guess same Frank Castle, right? Like it's the traumas that are inspiring this sense of being a loner. Oh, um, yeah. And so when you look at Frank Castle, it's like, yeah, Frank Castle was a normal person. He was, he was well-adjusted. The trauma Decent changed man. him into something else. Yeah. With Wolverine, like the, the, he doesn't remember no. who he was mm -mm. before the trauma. And for most of the comics, we don't know who, who he was. is before yeah. the trauma. So we just know this, this pained, anguished you know uh, angsty is not even the right word no no this is beyond angst this is not teenage nonsense in high school like no it is it's just anger it's yeah. visceral it's guttural yeah and he's he's gonna tear you to pieces this is someone who found the coffee crystals yeah. in their coffee oh yeah and he is that whole restaurant's just down yeah mm -hmm. they've all got six puncture holes in their chest <laughs> <laughs> but you know marvel did a really good job mm -hmm. with with uh, granting their characters this this duality, right? Mm -hmm. we, we've talked about our our French literary friends here giving us that duality, the, the, the gothic double. Yeah, you know, the gothic double. For those of you who listened to us for the last forty minutes, the gothic double would appear again in the in the form of a man named Venom. Yes, good old Eddie Brock. Which Venom has had a number of hosts over the years, but Eddie Brock will always be always yeah. be the boy. Yeah, Eddie Brock was always Venom number one, mm -hmm. and you know his his character um you know he he he's he, a very layered character right yep. he starts off as just a standard douche straight up villain yeah he, yeah. he is mm -hmm. he is just the you know the yin to spider-man's yang yep you've got eddie brock who is the basically the jock photographer yes who's always picking on nerdy little peter parker yeah and then uh you've got parker who is actually spider-man and stronger than he than he comes off um and then eventually, you know, you've got the whole Secret Wars thing that goes on, for those of you who enjoy Spider-Man, which was just originally the idea to go, hey, let's give him a cool new black suit. And then eventually, like, you know what? Let's make the black suit alive. Yeah. And it's an alien. Yeah. Very cool concept. Very awesome. And then uh, it goes off of him, which is why it retains, like, the whole web shooting thing. Mm -hmm. And then goes on to Brock. And now you've got the, uh, the, the jock thing like isn't just an empty threat anymore to peter parker oh, because no. before it's like yeah you're like big strong jock guy but you know, I, I can throw a fucking truck yeah like halfway down broadway yeah so now you've actually super powered the jock yeah and he is just a straight villain for a while and, and, and the symbiote does what you know a lot of characters who end up gaining power typically mm -hmm. do in these types of properties the power amplifies the worst parts of them mm-hmm you know, and, and so that's what Eddie Brock, you know, as Venom be, becomes, he just 
the the anger and the jealousy and and this rage that's within him it just becomes cranked up totally oh right to 11 to the max yep not to be confused with the save by the bell restaurant no no Mm-mm. but yeah he's he's totally amped up but once again this isn't just villain right like we, we, he starts off as a villain mm-hmm. but eddie brock does learn to harness the the relationship with the symbiote this alien being right that that molds on to him and whether that is through different series whether that is just through another artist's or author's interpretation mm-hmm. like there there does become more of a partnership between brock and venom and it's not just purely an anti-spider-man sentiment no. anymore and i you have to think that that was just the after school specials working Eddie Brock remembered that this is not how things should get done. <laughs> no, this is not how I was told. I must dare harder <laughs> to be off drugs and alcohol and the bad thing. But at the same time, you are bonded to a flesh-eating alien. It's true. So you got to find a happy medium. And that what... happy medium, anti-hero. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. true. And one of the things I always feel bad about for Eddie Brock was the fact that it, it is the tragedy of his character that makes him an anti-hero, mm-hmm. even when he's a villain. You know, he once again fits the profile, just like how we talk about serial killers and almost, you know, every investigation discovery TV show. Yep. There's a pattern to this stuff. Eddie Brock is not the best photographer in town. No. He's constantly getting shown up. So he's a lonely guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a loner. The guy yeah, literally, look, he, has a, he has a bench press in his living room. Come on, Eddie. You can't do that. That's got to yeah. be in the basement. And we get you live in an apartment. So that means it's got to be in your bedroom. Yeah, dude. It's in his living, living room. room. No. Right next to like, you know, this guy's bringing like an old milk, like gallon jug to drink out of. Oh, I know. All the time. But that's all he can afford. Yeah, it's all he can and afford. And that's okay. Yeah, it's that's okay. okay. Now, <laughs> one... one <laughs> One anti-hero, we're not going to get into a ton here because, folks, we literally just covered an entire week of this man would be Joseph Dredd, Judge ah, Dredd himself. Dredd. Now, he, he's, a, he's an anti-hero simply for the fact that uh, there are times where he has to rise to the occasion of mm-hmm. hero. He is doing heroic things. Yes, but... Within the rules. Within the rules. And it, and then, I mean, he's at the point where like he, he follows the rules to a T, yeah. even though the rules like don't take account in for like humanity yeah um sort of thing um so yeah like you said like we he's basically i mean he's a fascist he's yeah. the rule and the law is absolutely must follow the law and you don't follow the law oh, i'm gonna kill you yeah, bit much which which is a, an interesting segue into a character that would be the complete opposite of that which would be deadpool ah the man who's very aware that he is in fact a comic book <laughs> yes the fourth wall breaker mm-hmm. The, the merc with the mouth, the guy that is technically heroic at times, but is the majority of the time, we'll just say an asshole. Yep. Um, and uh, I mean, I, like, I thought that Deadpool was kind of the perfect anti-hero in a lot of ways, though, because throughout his character development, mm-hmm. you know, you, you do see someone who is being experimented on because he has cancer. And so yep. that in line, that, that there's tragedy to that, mm-hmm. right? Like this, this guy is clearly making a very difficult decision, but it once again does things to you mentally. Yeah. It amplifies mm-hmm. certain things, you know? So since he's naturally kind of a dick, yeah. like, and what do you say? Like, not even like he's, I don't know. You don't want to say he's like Wade Wilson's a bad person. He's just an asshole. He is. Yeah. yeah. And so now he's a bigger asshole. Power amplifies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the damn truth. And, but at the same time though, I think that is 
an interesting way to begin to look at modern superhero properties now, mm-hmm. right? Like like Deadpool, for the fact that he is an asshole, mm-hmm. the fact that he's sarcastic, and and the fact that he's funny, yeah, it really breaks up some of the seriousness of other superhero films that we've seen in recent memory, mm-hmm. or just superhero properties in general. Yeah. Now, obviously, you and I are both fans of Batman. Oh, love Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now I will absolutely once again, uh, kind of fall on our our Star Trek experience where you have Mm -hmm. a master's degree. Um, You're probably even working your second one. Yeah. And let's just say at this point, I have a bachelor's degree or I, I went for a bachelor's, but didn't finish. Not quite like the associates degree that I didn't finish for Star Trek, (laughs) but in modern Mm -hmm. Batman media, he is like the the seriousness is just dripping. Oh yeah. Batman does not joke around. No, Mm -mm. no. And that, that's what makes the, once again, the Snyder Cut even more ridiculous is that <laughs> Batman is all of a sudden, you know, fucking Rodney Dangerfield cracking oh, jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, uh, you mean the uh, the original cut of the movie? The original cut. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. The uncircumcised cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, actually, I don't know. That, I, I don't know if it's the <laughs> uncircumcised. Would, would Snyder be the uncircumcised cut? I think that's more of like, yeah. for some reason, like, it's not that it was uncircumcised. It was the baby was completely changed. Mm. Like. This was your kid and you recognized it and then it went away to hang out in like the nice warm area and get fed and hung out with the nurses. And when it came back, it was a toddler and had an alcohol problem. And you're like, this is not my kid. And they're like, no, no, this is your kid. And that's that's where we were with the movie we got. That happens in every hospital, too. It's a weird mistake that it keeps happening, but it happens all the time. I know nurses. We don't talk regularly. But I'm assuming that it happens all the time. <laughs> I can only assume. Only assume. But mm-hmm. I mean, but that that's that's the shift we were getting to get here, right? Is that you know the 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 anti-hero journey was was very specific in the early days, mm-hmm. right? We've got torment, we've got yeah, you know, and, we, and, and some of that's still here. It's mm-hmm. still here, right? Still here, yeah. Um, but I, I did want to get into the torment side of this. Mm-hmm. Because that actually describes supernatural really well. Yeah, another thing that mm-hmm. we've you know we've taken a look at on this show, and and supernatural goes through this. The you know obviously the, Sam and Dean Winchester, the main mm-hmm. characters, they're they're, su- they're supposed to be heroic people. Supposed to be, yeah. I, yeah I'm supposed to be, yep. <laughs> and they in general, and maybe the most part, they save the day. They're saving people mm-hmm. and hunting things. Yeah, but family business. Yeah, but then. There are points in the show where they're doing bad things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're doing horrible things. Yep. Like let's just say killing friends of, you know, of their their family members. Yep. That happens a few times. Dean is like, no, nah, it's a monster. And Seb's like, but it's a monster with a conscious. And Dean's like, mm, is it? Yeah, is it though? Is it really? Is it though? It turns out the answer was yes. Yes. It was definitely yes. It was a monster. They had a conscience. They had children. And Dean may have killed both. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, does he, yeah, does he kill him? There's a ghoul. Like, oh, there's an episode right. with, the ghoul, with ghouls that, like, Sam knew um, the ghoul, like, growing up, and she was his friend. Yeah. She had a kid, and then, like, it turned out, oh, they found out these are the ghouls, and they, like, I think, like, they may have killed, like, one or two people, and that's why, like, that drew the attention of those two. Yeah. Because they, yeah. were, they were going after, like, freshly dead people yeah. so they could tolerate it. That's true. And then Dean's like, nah, man, they have to die. And and that is one this isn't something they like mm-hmm. come out the gate with. Either, no, no, right? no, no. Because because I guess to tie this to some of the early anti-hero mm-hmm. conversations, 
like these guys do have to go through a journey to get there. There's some torment along the way. Yep. You know, there's there's folks who have literally gone to hell and back. Yeah. Um, we, we've lost spouses, we've lost mm-hmm. girlfriends, we've lost family members, dogs. <laughs> it's, it's just too real. No, too way too real. <laughs> but yeah, it's true though, mm-hmm. right? Like we're we're seeing very similar <laughs> paths to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that's that is what ends up happening in supernatural. Um, but to to bring this a little bit more modern. We've got the boys mm-hmm. and we've got Invincible. Yeah. You know, oddly enough, both of these would be on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. We're just telling people where to One go One day, see it. hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> we are we are Alexa enabled. Yes. We also, are. not a sponsor. Yeah. yeah. You do have to say the full name, though. You do. Yeah. If, if you just be like, hey, Alexa, play digital. She's not going to know what the hell you're talking about. No. No, she'll D- be lost. Digital dissection will get you close. Close to it. But if you say digital dissection, a nerd podcast, you'll get it every time. Money. And when I say every time, I mean probably at least half, seven out of 10 times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Closer to half. Yep. But yes, we've got the boys mm-hmm. and we've got Supernatural. Oddly enough, Eric Kripke attached to both, both, both the boys properties. and Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, Invincible, though, would, would involve, you know, Robert Kirkman, yep. who also did The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, we've also got some anti-hero sentiment there with mm-hmm. Rick Grimes and yep. Shane Walsh, people making very questionable decisions. And back to the boys, none other than Carl Urban himself. Dread. It's true. Hanging out there. Mm-hmm. God, this universe. Ah. We're just connected. Mm-hmm. But the boys in Invincible would take a look at superheroes in ways where the ambiguity is completely thrown out completely. the window. Mm-hmm. Every one of these superheroes is an asshole, for the yep. exception of you know one or two. Eh, there's good ones out there. Yeah, yeah. You got Starlight, who good yeah. kid. Yeah, but mm-hmm. the rest of them jerks dicks out there doing, for money all doing horrible mm-hmm. horrible things yeah and and we don't want to necessarily uh shed too much light on certain mm-hmm. characters because this gives away way too much oh yeah so we're not gonna we're not gonna dissect the boys today not yet we'll yeah. get there we're gonna give you at least a few weeks mm-hmm. before we do that which also by the way season two there is a great supernatural easter egg oh mm-hmm. yes yep We've 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 actually yeah, baby shows up in season two. We we've actually also referenced another Easter egg. Right, there get a couple in there, yeah. That would mm-hmm. be on that show. Yep. Specifically, a very uh, specific character in Supernatural. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the so these these properties though, we're looking at superheroes doing awful things, mm-hmm. and they know they're doing awful things, and many times don't care. And yeah, do not either care. they don't care mm-hmm. or they're motivated by, by doing it. Things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the case of Invincible, you know, Omni-Man, the main, well, I guess I just did a spoiler alert here yeah. for those of you who haven't watched Come it on, yet. Think, Mark. Think. <sighs> don't give spoilers. I haven't given that much away. <laughs> Watch two episodes, goddammit. <laughs> but still, though, I mean, like, we're, we're starting to blend lines here. Like, we've got, quote unquote, superheroes mm-hmm. who are depicting themselves as superheroes, but they are absolutely doing fucking horrible mm-hmm. things behind the scenes and in the case of the boys i mean this is a multimedia worldwide property these people are are they have twitter accounts they have mm-hmm. they have social media managers and they work for a corporation who makes it known that they're superheroes yep right and so it's it's such an interesting turn from early superhero properties where people have aliases and they yeah. they don't want to be seen by the mm-hmm. public and now we've got these platforms wanting to be in the spotlight in the spotlight yeah. and they're dicks and i don't get how like like in the boys like i get that it's ridiculous and it should work but like i don't understand 
how they make move they make movies of the superheroes yeah and they give them like supervillains that clearly don't exist like these people aren't fighting like supervillains like they're just fighting like people like yeah, terrorists yeah, yeah. even then terrorists wasn't even the thing normally either like yeah. that gets expanded on eventually that's true but, like eventually like there's like bank robbers and like everyday people mm-hmm. and so like i mean it's like again it's like bringing a bazooka to a knife fight when they show up and eventually like they start leaking super villains eventually in the in the, in the series but even then i'll let you figure out like you know watch the boys read the boys and figure out yeah. why super villains yeah. start showing it's up in too the first fresh place. this is a very fresh, fresh property yeah, yeah absolutely so um it's just it was i always laughed hysterically because like it's a part of like the whole like i don't know it's it's the machine as to why like the movies are being made in the first place but like yeah. it just it was funny always funny to me well but i mean if, if you watch invincible mm-hmm. though invincible isn't that much different in the way that superheroes are deployed right mm-hmm. like there's still this unified you know like uh worldwide response team yep. right like and, and they and some of the superheroes show up on their own mm-hmm. to fight threats others are just organized in a different manner yeah but, but yeah we're we're deploying superhero teams to do things on mm-hmm. behalf of either companies or or government faceless yeah faceless entities mm-hmm. and so really what i come to here is beginning to ask ourselves why are we so drawn to anti-heroes because this isn't just like a a one property thing no you, you and i have already talked about you know multiple standalone characters mm-hmm. but now we have major properties that are just based on anti-heroes that are they're they're like the top of almost every chart Mm -hmm. there's there's people that are glued to it i just mentioned walking dead yep which just wrapped up its comic you know comic book series Mm -hmm. um the tv show's wrapping up too once again why anti-heroes why are we why do we have boners for these i think we're like the bad boy that's all that's (laughs) it like this is this is what mommy and daddy said we should avoid and out of pure teenage angst and rebellion like no I do like that mom and dad. I am going to hang out with that. And even though you said no, I mean, that's more the reason to do it in the first place for me. I think that's it. A war, like, I think it's like, I mean, I know, I know. Like, it, it always bugged me, like, me growing up being like a huge Superman fan. I'd be like, Superman sucks. He's like too good of a hero. He's too good of a guy. But he's a hero. That's kind of the point of him. And like, you could argue that he's boring because he's too strong. Also, if you know the character, that's a dumb argument because you know he never really even tries going full. No, like he doesn't go full bore no. because he's afraid of hurting or like killing people when he shouldn't be doing it. So, which usually leads to him getting hurt himself. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I think it's just that I don't know if like basically it got to the point where we got bored with like actual heroics. Well, and you and I have talked about that yeah. in a previous episode mm-hmm. how we are so sick of the origin story of a superhero. Oh, yeah. Just completely done with it. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and the worst part is, is a lot of these superhero stories, especially mm-hmm. in adapted movies. Yeah. They're always fighting against the bad version of themselves mm-hmm. in the first movie. Yeah. Almost always. You can look okay. back. Iron, Iron Monger. Hulk. Yep. Hulk was the exact same way. Mm-hmm. I with mean, the, uh, what was it? Abomination. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Unless you go Eric Bana, then that was that was, uh, the Absorbing Man. Uh, I because that was a, which I don't the absorbing man is yeah. not supposed to be Banner's dad, but that's who he ends up fighting is basically the absorbing man. But anyway, yeah, no, yeah. um, you got Abomination, yeah. uh, in the modern one, yeah. I mean, and like even let's go to Christopher Nolan's Batman. I mean, Ra's al Ghul and in the League of Shadows, these are basically just trained Batman, yep. And so he's fighting mm-hmm. against that. 
And and so yeah, like the origin of the superhero is so worn out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen it so many times. It's getting to the point where I don't even care that the character is good. Yeah, I seriously don't. Mm-hmm. I don't care that you're good. I don't. I, why why did it take you to have to go through something traumatic to be good? Yeah, and that's that's. I guess that's that is a lot of like modern superheroes and Disney characters. <laughs> They're all orphans. Something terrible happened to either, them. Either and, parents getting killed. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and pets, pets heads falling off. Yeah, I mean, I, something's happened. Maybe I should be the light for the world, since you know it's been nothing but darkness for me. I'm turn myself around, and it's again like another great appeal to Superman is that this. I mean, he grew up like not knowing anything was wrong. He had no idea his planet blew up. No, he had no idea that was happening. It was he was raised? I mean, original Superman. He was found by an orphanage and raised, and like just was a nice person. But like no, like he got good values from the Kents who yeah. raised him. And then when he was old enough, they told him who he actually was, but like he got his morality and a sense of goodness from good people, which is another reason why I just love the character. But yeah, no, I guess like, yeah, a lot of times heroes have to go through something tragic to become heroes. Yeah. But with what you just told me, I mean, that's about as missionary as having your sex with your socks on. Okay. <laughs> you, you talk about judge dread. Okay. This is a dude who is a clone mm-hmm. who has a brother who yep. is also a clone, but mm-hmm. a really fucking awful one. Yeah. Who's just a bad, evil son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. And then you throw him into, you know, uh, the, the wastelands and then you've got, you know, judge death and you've got all these other fucking crazy things that mm-hmm. spin off of that. But the, the crux of this is that he's a clone. Yep. That is part of this like massive mm-hmm. uh, operation slash conspiracy. Right. Yep. That's just dread. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and so, when I think of these origins, that's the kind of stuff that jumps off the page. Mm-hmm. Not not someone who had to, you know, who was already good. Yeah, a parent dies, mm-hmm. or you know, whatever. And and I I just don't see that continuing to work. I don't see it working. I mean, it's going to happen eventually. Where that become maybe it'll come back around. Where like Superman was boring because he was he was too good, and then that's why Batman's interesting because he has tragedy in his life. Granted, like as humans, like. A story without conflict, whether it was at, at, at the developmental stage or current stage of the of the character, like we're drawn to the conflict. So maybe eventually, like now we're going to be like, you know what? The heroes who are kind of tough guys or hard asses, maybe yeah. they're not interesting anymore. We need something different. Does that mean do we loop back to the good heroes or do we do find something completely new? So are, 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 are you starting to say that we should go back to the Mahabharata? And go back to characters that are just flawed good men. Maybe, maybe that's where we go. Or <laughs> I don't know. Like, um, I should say, like maybe, maybe a good way to like maybe end this is like, who like do you have like an all time favorite like antihero? Well, I do. Mm-hmm. However, what I want to say before we get there, okay, is that perhaps what the actual issue is here is that we're using antiheroes mm-hmm. from the standpoint of literally describing like we talked about before this gothic double this duality yeah. this duality of good versus evil in mm-hmm. a way to make ourselves feel better about our own sense <laughs> about, of morality uh, yeah. oh yep mm-hmm. cuz like you know like you know yeah cuz like okay it's so like yeah we got me in everyday lives i'm not a great person but look at that piece of shit yeah and he's yeah. doing good and i'm not a bad person maybe i'm just that much better by example seriously man mm-hmm. think about when you were growing up and and, you know, people always say monkey see, monkey do, mm-hmm. or right? But then they go, but don't do what that kid's doing. Yeah. 
I mean, now I don't think that most children, when I was reading a comic book, are going to Deadpool. Maybe they are. Mm-hmm. Maybe parents might be doing that to them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but but ultimately, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, that that's kind of the way I started to look at this mm-hmm. was was are we using antiheroes in a different literary sense, you know, and kind of going full circle with it. I mean, we're, we're kind of telling the same morality based stories that we were getting almost 250 years ago. Yeah. We're just mm-hmm. using a different medium to tell the story. We're not using like standard societal loners anymore. Mm-hmm. We're using hyper powered and, and crazy individuals to do it. With. It is what's popular to do these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously. It is, but, but yes, to get back mm-hmm. to your point though, about favorite, you know, favorite antiheroes, mm-hmm. I'm actually going to throw it back at you. I okay. want to hear yours first. Mine. Okay. Well, mine actually uh, is a different mold than we've had. Cause we usually had like um, what good people who turn bad or good people who are, have something bad happen to them. And therefore like, we'll do something we'll, like, we'll try and like be good, but in their own weird code, mm-hmm. mine is a bad man who found humanity as time went on Ooh, like memphis reigns kind of like memphis reigns yeah from gone 60 seconds gone 60 seconds but this one actually comes from across the world and i'll be your man in japan oh my yeah uh, because i i do like reading a manga here and there watching anime mm-hmm. um select i'm not like full-on weeb that's it's fine i'm not, I, I'm not yeah. there but i like a few things uh vegeta from the dragon ball series is oh. probably my favorite because this is a guy who came from like the like a race of like world conquering aliens, and that was always his life. Um, he has his father like he was a bad person to begin with, and then his father is killed by like this over character, mm-hmm. and so then he just vows that he's going to get strong enough to kill the guy who killed his father. Not a good person. Like he's still a villain in this whole time, and then he meets Goku, the protagonist of the whole Dragon Ball series, mm-hmm. and instead of being like inspired by Goku's even then like Goku isn't a good hero. I'm going to throw that out there right now. Yeah. He's always out to like, basically just be the strongest. He like actually saving anything is peripheral to him. He just wants to be the strongest fighter, but then they basically have like this back and forth over Vegeta wants to be stronger than Goku, but eventually just kind of eventually succumbs to like, that's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And in like basically losing to him constantly to seeing Goku succeed where he fails and and even killing the person who killed his father, basically doing what he couldn't do. Eventually, Vegeta settles down, mm-hmm. finds himself a nice woman on Earth. Oh. They have two children with each other. I know that life. And by the time you hit Dragon Ball Super, there's actually one great scene in the in the uh, in the anime where it's a flashback to when his daughter is still new and his son, who is um maybe like five or six comes along like says hey mom says you should hold like your daughter because it would be good for you and like vegeta's doing his like his stoic like i'm the prince of saiyans i'm a bad guy and he looks down and sees his kid holding the baby all wrong flips his shit and panics and just grabs the kid. He's like you're holding her wrong give her right here and he you see this in a flashback as he's fighting someone else who is more or less kind of like who Vegeta used to be. And you see he's now fighting for something that's not just him and his personal revenge. He's like, no, he's fighting to actually save his family and save everything he's come to love. It's like, okay, 
So here's a guy, and which, by the way, Vegeta is also totally fine with just fucking killing people. Doesn't um, he also not wear a shirt half the time? Does mm, no, he actually Vegeta likes to wear a lot of armor. Oh, he does. Like, yeah. A lot of armor. It's like it's a sh- it's shirt armor. That's it. Oh, just okay, shirt armor. Okay. It's a deep V though. Does it? Is it a deep V or no? That's that's the Goku guy. He's oh, a, he's guy. a deep V. See, folks, I don't watch anime. Doesn't there? Not there. I, I'm I barely mm-hmm. even understand what he's saying. Right yeah, now. but anyway, Vegeta's totally cool with killing people, even when he's like reformed and nice. He'll still kill a bitch. He doesn't give a shit. Well, I mean, um. But yeah, no, like he's he's a character who I, you see a lot of development with, but also not development because he'll always be like, hey, I'm going to be the strongest. And he can clearly kill the main villain at one point. Yeah. But then the villain's like, oh, no, if I do this, I'll be stronger. And then we should fight. And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll beat you at your best. Go and do that. And then Vegeta gets his ass kicked when the guy gets stronger. Well, so it always happens. You got to keep training. Man. Yeah, I got to keep doing it. You think you think Rocky would win the fights he wins if he doesn't change up his his, his method a little bit? No, you got to lose in Rocky One to beat Apollo Creed in Rocky Two. Oh, spoiler alert! By the way. Oh Jeez. yeah, sorry, 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 folks. Yeah, my bad. Seventy nine. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Yep. Whoops. Okay. Well, so yeah, Vegeta's me. How about you? Well, my my favorite antihero is actually from a property that I recently introduced you to mm-hmm. called Fringe. Oh yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, another J.J. Abrams, you know, Diddy. Yep, pairs up with another J.J. Joshua Jackson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he sure does, actually. And and here's here's what's interesting about this show. And I apologize for once again. Here's a spoiler alert for you. So you mentioned Joshua Jackson. He, he's one of the main characters of the show. He's Peter Bishop. His father's name is Walter Bishop. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and Walter Bishop is played by John Noble. You know uh, who you know from you know from Lord of the Rings. And he's also on The Boys. Also mm-hmm. plays Carl Urban's father on that. So. When you first watch this show, there are some mental problems with Walter Bishop. You can tell he's not quite all there. Not One, quite. He's, I think he's looking at a cow when you first see him, right? Or something. Yeah. Oh, he's he's all over the place. Oh, yeah. He's very, he's largely comedic. Mm-hmm. And the entire delivery of him is to almost be comic relief. But if you're paying attention to the early portions of the show, you begin to realize that the things that are happening within this property all tie back to him in some way. It's to the point where you can't even pretend you like if you're if you're actually paying attention to the show it's like okay he's clearly involved mm-hmm. in what's going on or at least had knowledge of it that he lost okay mm-hmm. so once again folks spoiler alert if you haven't watched fringe it's been out for like 12 years now but why walter bishop is an anti-hero you find out he actually performed lobotomy on himself to remove the areas of his brain that involves these experiments but also one of the biggest plot twists of the entire series his son is actually stolen from an alternate dimension. So his son dies early in the series. Oh, it's a bold strategy there, Cotton. Oh, his son dies. Walter cannot come to terms with it himself. Mm -hmm. So what does he do? He creates technology to open up an alternate universe. And as soon as he's able to get into it, Mm -hmm. he steals the alternate universe, Peter Bishop, and brings him into this universe. It builds up a lot of issues that occur later on down the line mm-hmm. as a as a war with the other universe. No, because you can imagine Walter, or they call him Walternet of the alternate <laughs> universe. <laughs> the Walternet, that's great. He is driven mm-hmm. by trying to understand how do I get my son back? back? Yeah, yeah. And so Walter Bishop A did some fucking horrible things mm-hmm. along the way to stealing his son from the universe. Okay. Wow. It's a huge reveal. Mm-hmm. It is, it, but at the same time, um, when he removes that part of his brain, he ends up unlocking mm-hmm. a part of himself that he never would have otherwise. So it is a very dark, very, you know, very tough 
uh, story development here, mm -hmm. but he does find a way to repair himself through doing these horrible things. Ooh. It's a really odd, mm -hmm. strange twist, but it makes me appreciate that character to where it's a fairly recent bit of sci-fi, mm -hmm. but I love that character and I have ever since I watched it. But either way, yeah. the, the larger point here, you and I just did it for the last 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Clearly, antiheroes have a place in our hearts. Oh, yeah. There's something, I guess, like, I think it's because sometimes inherently, like, you know that, like, you see something wrong happens, and you know, like, you have to do something about it, but you have to follow rules, but fuck, do you wish you didn't have to stop it? And I think the larger thing is, you see a part of yourself in flawed characters, mm -hmm. and in some way, just seeing that, it kind of helps you grow, in a sense. Like, you know, how can I avoid the things that these people went through. How mm -hmm. can I use my own anguish, my own personal struggles, mm -hmm. and how can I use them for a better purpose? Thank you for joining us on our journey as we mapped out how anti-heroes have not always been a part of pop culture, and humanity, but how they also rose to prominence. We absolutely miss some antiheroes along the way, so feel free to drop us a comment telling us more about ones that you'd like to hear in a review. We really do want to hear from you. We're not just saying it. We like people. We also need your help to make sure that we keep growing this audience. It's apparently very important to our sponsors. Well, hey, as we have mentioned a few times on this show this week, next week is a huge one for us. We are bringing you three full episodes of this show to break down the entire Firefly universe from 2002 underdog TV series to full feature film. Not only that, but we look at the music from both entries as well. We're joined by good friends of this podcast to perform the deepest dissection we've ever done. That just sounds hot no matter what way you say it. But hey, join us as we sit down with our friends from the Sudden But Inevitable Rewatch measuring the score and cheap seat reviews. We can't thank them enough for joining us and hope that you enjoy. Until next time, keep on dissecting.